Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Well, I can't hold kids and preach, so kids, you can go if you haven't gone. See ya. Have a fun time. Oh, wrong way. Judah, this way. Catch that kid. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> wow. I love it how kids listen to me. Eric and Kate were over at Traverse City skiing this weekend, so the boys got to spend the weekend with us, which is pretty cool. So that may explain why I stutter a bit today. <laughs> I can't really keep track of my thoughts. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Well, this may be our last Sunday gathering in this room for a while. Um, it looks like we have temporary occupancy of the, of the, I'll call it the IGA space one more time, right? And then Sunday, next Sunday, if we can get in there, we're going to call it the church, right? Um, so we've got temporary occupancy, it seems, and so there's one more little hurdle that we gotta, we got to cross, but that should be taken care of this week. So next week, as you pull in the parking lot, we'll probably go in those doors. Um, kids' ministry will take place here. That gives them a much better space for that. Um, so I think the plan is, though, that parents will do the similar thing as what we've done today. We'll meet together and worship there, and then we'll dismiss the kids, and then they'll come down here and enjoy kids' ministry. I think that's the plan. Still fine-tuning that. Um, but we're super excited about that. Super excited about uh, just the start of that. Construction will get in the way where we'll have to come back here probably. Um, and that's a pretty exciting reason why to come back here. Uh, so that will be A-OK. -okay. Um, but thank you so much to Amy and the, the team from DOT 421 to allow us to be here. We're so grateful for you. Thank you. Amy did mention today, too, that for these bags, um, the essential care bags, uh, you could bring them, if you want to, anytime during the next two weeks, you could bring them right here. Uh, so Amy's office will be here till 7, Monday through Friday, if I understand right, and then on Saturdays till 2. So if you don't want to bring them on Sunday morning, you want to bring them then, that would be absolutely fine. Thank you, Amy, for that. All right, First John, if you've got your Bibles, turn there, please. First John, we've been taking the last few weeks, and we've got one more Sunday next week where we'll talk about chapter 5. Uh, but looking at John's burden that we would truly know the word of life. Jesus is called the word of life. And John's burden is, hey, I've seen him. I've experienced him. I know him. And my burden as I write this letter is that you would know him too. That you would have a personal relationship, not just an encounter with God, but God coming to live with you in that personal relationship. Not just that you be a religious person 
and that you come to church because that's pretty cool to come on a Sunday morning. That's not what he's saying. He said, I want you to know the fellowship that I have with the word of life so that you can fellowship with him and we can fellowship together because he found that to be so satisfying for his life. So that's why he wrote this book. One of the words you see a lot in 1 John is the word know. He wants us to know or experience, to know that we know Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. This life is discovered in God's love. The word love is another key word in John. If you were to circle repeated words, love is one that you would circle a lot because John found that it was the love of God that enabled him to really experience this relationship with God. And um, our hope today is that we'll understand another implication of this love of God for you. And we'll look at some prepositions. All right, let's go back to grammar school. I know all of you miss grammar school so much. And so let's go back there. Parts of speech. You know what a noun is, right? Person, place, or thing, or idea. Yep, yep. Um, You know what a verb is? Danny Walker, you know what a verb is? It's an action or something like that or a being verb, right? So you got nouns and you got verbs. And then you have these little things called prepositions. Prepositions are those words that show relationship between two words. So let me give you an example. Let's take two objects in this area. Let's choose this one. Boat and water, right? Two objects. I don't know what you think of when you think of boat and water. Probably all over the map. But let let me give you some prepositions, okay? Everybody close your eyes. Everybody, everybody close your eyes. Boat and water. Let me give you a preposition. Boat on the water. Boat on the water. Okay, so maybe you're picturing a sailboat. Maybe it's your fishing boat, but you're thinking boat on the water. Let me change the preposition. Boat underwater. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Now you hope you're not thinking about your boat. right? You're thinking of your neighbor's boat. Maybe. No, I don't know. Uh, No. Um, Okay, let me change the preposition. Got your eyes closed. You're imagining this? Boat with water. Uh-oh. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm fishing and I need to bottle water. That's what I'm thinking of. Or maybe some of you are thinking, uh-oh, my boat is, is a hole. Now it's collecting water. Okay, open your eyes. All right, so all those different images that came to your mind were affected by these tiny little words called prepositions. Prepositions, so relationship to these two objects. Nancy's an English teacher, formally trained in such things. She could probably rattle off for you the list of prepositions because she, she told her students to memorize them like our teachers told us to memorize them and probably never did. Well, she did. So, huh? John Mark was a student of Mrs. Stewart. John Mark, stand and give us the list of prepositions, please. <laughs> <laughs> he says, no, no, uh-uh. <laughs> All different types of relationships. Well, and, and the passage we'll read this morning, you're going to see a number of those prepositions, and every one of them will give you a facet of this love of God and implications of it. 
So let's look at the passage today. First John chapter 4, and especially as it begins, you'll see a preposition jump right in. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And when we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Now, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Three prepositions we want you to see first of all god wants us to know god's love in us you saw that at the beginning of the passage so many times it talks about god abiding in us his love perfected in us in the previous chapters uh, john talks a lot about the definition of love and the description of love and now he wants us to experience this love to know it truly know it by experiencing it and he says this experience comes as god dwells in us by his spirit he mentions the spirit of truth that the spirit of truth dwells in us this is god abiding in us we know that we abide in him because his spirit abides in us so John, remember, he's one of the disciples. He had been with Jesus for those three and a half years. He heard Jesus talk, teach about this. In fact, it was on the, um, the night that Jesus was betrayed. He was with his disciples. They had the Last Supper. And during that time, Jesus gave them some really important things that they needed to know before Jesus left them. Right? He would leave them to go to the cross, rise from the dead, but then he would ascend back to the Father. So he would no longer, even though for three and a half years he had been with them, now he would be gone. But Jesus said in, verse four, in chapter 14 of John, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus gives this mind-blowing thought that God will choose, and he has chosen, to take up residency in us. You know, God had done that before as far as choosing a place to be. Of course, God is everywhere. You can't limit God. You can't say if God is here, then he's not somewhere else. And yet, he chose to express his presence in a, in a, in a very special way when... 
He created the world. He created Adam and Eve. And he said, now I'm going to come down. And I'm going to walk with you in the garden. God loved to dwell with his people. Doesn't mean that God wasn't somewhere else, but he expressed his presence in a special way with them. Well, they sinned. And then God said, well, now we can't be together. So they were driven from the presence of God. Well, God wasn't content with that. So we had this plan. He called Moses and he said, Moses, construct for me a tabernacle. Because I want to dwell with my people. And you build this tent of meeting, this tabernacle, and have sacrifices and things for the, the picture of atonement and redemption. Because I want to be with my people. And so for the longest time, the Jewish people had this tent of meeting. David was burdened that it was just a tent where the king lived in the palace. So God allowed David to empower his son Solomon to build a temple. Now this was a beautifully ornate structure where God would dwell with his people and we could go and experience the express presence of God. Then God says, no, it's not good enough. I'm going to send my son so that he can be with you. And Jesus came and he lived among people and they actually saw God. And then Jesus said, but I'm leaving. I'm not going to leave you alone because I'm going to give you my spirit. He will be in you. That God has chosen now for the hearts of believers to be the dwelling place of God. And don't think in terms of, you know, so God's spirit's with us. That means he leaves a little bit of an energy with us so you can feel the energy. That's not what he's saying. It's not, may the force be with you kind of thing. That's not what it is. It's not a spark of divinity that will plant in each one of you. That's not it. This is the third person of the Trinity. This is God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit that chooses to live with you. If you've believed in Jesus, in fact, that kind of leads to the question of, so who does he live with? If the Spirit of God is in us, who is us? Is that like everybody in the world? Or who is us? Well, the passage tells us. The passage says that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, the Spirit will dwell with them. So whoever believes that Jesus is God's son that confesses their faith in Jesus. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live with them. Now we get a little sense of the impact of God with us. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the wonderful decision that I believe the school district here in town and the police department uh, decided a couple years back. You know, there was way too many school violence issues, um, and so a partnership was formed with the Clay Township Police and Algonac Community Schools where they would actually put one of their officers in the school. Now, the police department was also always very responsive. They valued the school. In fact, if you uh, drive by schools during that school hour time, you would see many times a patrol car sitting there to make sure you were abiding by the school limit zone, right? That 25 miles per hour. So they valued students. But that, it took another level when they said, but not only that, we're not going to be a phone call away. We're going to be with you. We're going to put a, a, an officer in your building, so that he can be even more responsive. Now, 
the, the, the example breaks down because, okay, but, yeah, but he can only be in one, one, one room, right? There can be violence over here, and it takes some time to get there. Or he could be in a different building, even though he's in the Algonac Community Schools, he may not be in that particular building. So the example falls apart. But know that this is a significant experience when God says, here's how you know my love. When I am in you. Because when I am in you, then my love is yours. And you can experience the outflowing of my love because it's actually my love through you. My love is in you. My presence is in you, which will enable and empower you to love him and to love one another. But it's for those that confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And so it really, it, it, it calls us to ask that question. Okay, is that my belief? Have I, made that, have I made that mark in my life when I've said, I confess? Confess is the word that means agree with. Have you agreed with what the Bible says about who Jesus is? Not that you've a, kind of affirmed that, yes, that's what the Bible says. But have you made that decision in your life to say, yes, I believe. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Has there been a time in your life when you've confessed that? That word confession isn't signing a certificate. It's not even necessarily walking an aisle at a church, although many have experienced it in that way. It truly is a matter of the heart and a decision of the life to say, I believe. Has there been a time for you? If not, let me urge you. Let me urge you because there's eternal consequences. Would you do that today? Would you make that choice to say, okay, I'm, I believe. There's nothing keeping me from it. It's just stubbornness in my heart. I am confessing in my heart right now, God, I believe. If you have or if you do, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. There's another preposition, though, that's, that's so important. In, in verse 16, we see that there, God wants us to know his love for us. And we've talked about this for, for, for a while, but there's another implication to this. Verse 16 says, we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Now, let me give you just a Bible study tip. And I've mentioned this before, but maybe you forgot. Whenever you see the scripture Using that phrase, so that, you should make a mark of it because there's an important reason why that thing was true. All right, so God's love is perfected in you. That's the truth. But there's a reason for it, so that. Make sure you see why. God's love is perfected in you so that you can have confidence in the day of judgment. Now, what's that all about? I thought God was love. What's his judgment thing all about? Well, Jesus taught about judgment. John would have heard him. The Holy Spirit would have brought that to mind. 
as the Spirit is empowering John to write 1 John. So here's what Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John chapter 5. Verse 22 says, For the Father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Here's Jesus who heals the blind man and the lame man and feeds hungry people. He says, God has given me the role of judging the world. Jesus is the judge. Kind, good-hearted Jesus. Yes, Jesus is good and kind-hearted. He's also just. He's also holy. He's strong. He is powerful. And he says he has the role of being the judge. It says, um, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Jesus knew that judgment was coming. And it would be based on our belief in Jesus. He says, the Father's given me the role of judge. And here's what I will judge. Do you believe in me? Then you don't have to be judged. If you don't believe in me, judgment is for you. At one time he would say, he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have the life. But the wrath of God abides in him. The wrath of God. John later would be given a vision of the future. The book of Revelation captures that vision as the Spirit empowered him to write that down. In Revelation 20, John says, I, I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and all the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's these books that contained evidence of what people have done. It's evidence that they did not believe in Jesus. So all that we do that gives evidence we don't believe in Jesus is recorded in these books. But there's another book, the book of life. All those that believe in Jesus, their names are written in the book of life. So if your name is there, then your deeds aren't recorded in these books because all those deeds have been forgiven. But if your name is not in the book of life, if you've never confessed your faith in Jesus, then all you have is the recording of the evidence of your life that you don't believe in Jesus. And Jesus one day will judge all the dead that will be judged, those that don't believe in him. He'll say, here's the evidence. You, you made the evidence. It's your life. And it shows that you didn't believe in me. And they'll be cast into the lake of fire. This is a horrible experience. That's why John, who is the, the apostle of love, the disciple of love that wrote so much about God's love, says you just got to know this, that the reason God loves you and he wants you to know him and is, is, is so that you believe him, in him so you don't have to fear judgment. In fact, if the love of God, if you've welcomed that in your life and his love abides in you, you don't have to fear that. You can have joy in the day of judgment because you're not going to have to be there. You're set free from that. 
And all that evidence that you, maybe you think your life has written, it's all been erased because of God's grace and his forgiveness and his mercy because you've trusted in, he, in him. It's, the, the text says, because as he is, so also are we in the world. As he is, so also are we right now. What does that mean? Well, that means is, as God, the Father, loves the Son, he loves us because we stand with Jesus. We're with him, is what he's saying. When it comes time for judgment, we can say, well, I'm with Jesus. I'm on this side of the, of the, of the courtroom, right? I'm not, I'm not in, the, in the booth where the accuser sits. I'm actually in the booth where the judge is because I'm with him. As Jesus is, so are we. Our standing is with Christ. So we don't have to fear. There, there is another judgment. There's another judgment that Jesus talks about. But all judgment, we can have joy as we face it. If the love of the Father is in us. You say, okay, well, talk to me about that other judgment. Before I do, let me, let, me, let me try to illustrate this for you. Are you familiar with the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes? Do you remember that? It's that little six-year-old boy and his stuffed tiger, right, that comes to life when no adults are around, right? And they do some terribly crazy things. Some of you younger ones are saying, oh, what are you talking about? This is when the newspaper had a comic section and like every day you follow the storyline, right? It really, it, Naomi, that, that truly was happening. It would come to your house and you'd go, it, I'm telling you, it's true. Well, Calvin, Calvin Hobbes, there's this one, one episode of Calvin um, and Hobbes wanting to get something in the garage. The car was in the way, so they figured out how to put the car in neutral and move it out of the driveway, out of the garage, into the driveway. But as you know, you come out of the garage and then it slopes down to the road, right? And so as soon as it did, it started to pick up speed. They tried to stop it. They couldn't. It bumped across the road and went in the ditch on the other side of the street. And in the comic strip saga, they realized the only thing they could do to save their life was to run away. So they ran away. Um, and they found themselves in this, in, in this field. And as you can see in the comic strip, it says, what's that sound? Hobbes says, oh, I don't hear anything. There, something's crashing through the brush. That sounds big. Maybe it's a bear. There's bears out here? Climb the tree, climb the tree. If you ask me, tigers are the only ferocious animals the world really needs. And Kelvin envisions the headline, boy, six, killed by a bear. Parents saved the trouble. Kelvin says, do you think we're safe? Should we climb higher? Well, it's hard to say with bears. There it is. The bear's coming out of the brush. Oh, no, it looks like it's on its hind legs. Bears stand up only when they're really mad. Wait, that's not a bear. That's your mom. Ah, even worse, climb higher, climb higher. <laughs> right? Oh, no, it's mom. She's going to kill us. What do you do when you start to realize I've I got to give an account for the things that I've done. I've, I've been bad. I've failed. I've sinned. What do we do? We do the same thing Adam and Eve did. We hide. 
We run. We run from God, or maybe we even run to religion thinking, well, if I do really religious stuff, maybe then I don't have to, like maybe this will outweigh the bad, right? So we hide. We do so much good stuff that we're hiding behind it so we don't have to be judged for the wrong that we did. Or maybe some say, well, I'm going to work really hard and pour into my, yeah, so I'm going to fail spiritually, but I'm a success financially, and so that's where I'll find my joy and my satisfaction. Or some dive into um, busyness or travel or, or career, um, all kinds of things. Some, sometimes we go into uh, substances to try to cover the heartache and the, and the pain. We try to hide in so many different ways. Because it's not just a bear. This is God. Climb higher. Go. Get away. There's something on the human heart that says, this isn't right, and i got to run. The theological story continues. Next comic strip says, mom shows up. Hey, there you are. Come on down so I can talk to you. No, you'll kill us. We're running away. I'm not going to kill you. I just want to find out what happened. Are you okay? Was anyone hurt? No, no one was hurt. We were pushing the car into the drive, and it kept rolling. The car didn't hit anything, just went across the road and into the ditch. That's when we took off. Well, the tow truck pulled it out, and there's no damage, so you can come home now. Calvin says, first, let me hear you say you love me. (laughs) That's what John says in 1 John. He says, this is what God says to you. Because you've confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, his love is perfected in you. So when you fear judgment, you can hear him say, no, I love you. It's not my wrath that's headed to you. It's my love. So you don't have to hide. You don't have to fear. I'm not coming to kill you. We're going to be together forever because I'm the father. You're my kids because you've accepted my son. So we're family. You say, well, what about that judgment, that other judgment? Well, there is a second judgment that is for the children of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, we must all appear. Now, this is speaking to Christians. This is written to the church in Corinth. So these are believers. And Paul says, we must all, we, meaning Paul, the apostle Paul has to come to this too. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether it be good or evil, or good or worthless. So it is this moment. It's different than the great white throne judgment, right? When the dead will be raised, those that that did not accept Jesus, that rejected him. That's one judgment. This is the judgment for believers. We'll stand before this judgment seat of Christ, and we will receive rewards. That kind of judgment. This is the award ceremony. This is, this is end of school year awards day. That you don't necessarily, you don't have to fear this because it isn't the principal saying, these are the ones that are getting expelled this year. 
No, that's not what that is. This is, this is the teachers coming up and saying, I've got this student in my English class, and he, he's, he's the best, and he knows prepositions. He's even memorized them. John Mark Hewitt, come on down. Right? So he gets that, that reward. Well, the scripture teaches that there will be a day when Jesus will call believers to himself, and he will reward those according to what they did for Jesus, whether they were for Jesus or for themselves. So if they were for themselves, then there's no reward for that. But those that serve Jesus for him and because of their love and they're seeking his glory, they will be rewarded for that. So again, John says, you can have confidence in the day of judgment when you begin to realize the Father's love is perfected in you. And, and, and now you don't have to scramble to try to earn his favor. You don't have to scramble to climb over other people and, and disrespect them to get power or, or notoriety. You don't have to do that. No, just, just receive the love of God. Let that flow through you. Let that characterize your life. And you know that when the day of judgment comes, there will be rewards. So you can be confident in the day of judgment. Who would have thought that John, when he said, I want to tell you about the love of God, that he would say, because judgment is coming. Who'd have thought? Well, only those that have been set free. Only those that know that judgment is coming and how horrendous that would be and to know that actually, I don't have to fear it because his love has been perfected in me because I stand with Christ. And that life will then go into the day his or her day, and say, how can God's love now flow through me? That's the last preposition. Verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who did not love his brother, whom he cannot see, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is God's love through us or between us. This is God's love perfected in us so that we begin to love one another. We've talked a lot about this over the last few weeks, about God's call on us to love one another. But this is the litmus test for whether the Spirit of God does live in us. If we're not loving one another, we have to ask ourselves the question, then have I truly experienced God's love for me is this spirit not living inside of me because if it was surely i would be loving others by this you know that god's love abides in you if you love one another this is this is life altering this changes you from what do i have to do for god to make up no you don't have to fear him this is enjoying god's living through you to love one another. And it would cause us to look at homelessness differently. Instead of simply saying, well, I wonder what bad choices they made that would cause them there. Made your bed, got to sleep in it kind of thing. It would cause us to say, yep, yeah, but for the grace of God, that could be me. I mean, how many of us at various times in our life, and maybe right now, we're just one crisis, one catastrophe away from being homeless ourselves. So it causes us to say, if someone's hurting, then that should hurt me. What can I do to 
to care for the needs of those who are hurting. You don't have to climb the tree. You don't have to climb higher. You don't have to get away. Instead, confess. Jesus is the Son of God. Allow His Spirit to live inside of you, to be with you, because His love is for you and will then be demonstrated through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your incredible love for us, Lord. Even while we are unlovely, in times where we know better and we still choose to turn away from you, Lord, still, you remain faithful. And Lord, maybe there's some, maybe there's some here, maybe, maybe watching on, on the screen, Lord, that um, have never had that time where they have professed their faith in you, their belief that you truly have sent your son to take upon himself the punishment for our sins. I pray that right now would be the day of their salvation. In the quietness of their heart, they would just whisper to you, Lord, I believe. And for those of us who have confessed that and yet can look at times in our life where we have demonstrated a bit of lack of belief, maybe some impatience or an unwillingness to forgive or a grudge that we're holding. Maybe it's a prejudice that we've justified. Maybe we've exalted ourselves based on our race or our social class or where we live or what we do. Lord, forgive us and cause us, Lord, to remember that it's your love in us. It's your spirit in us that will empower us to truly love one another. So thank you for your love. Empower us to express it to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.